1: This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. I love the fact that you've made two movies called Sergio. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, i you wondering if you were planning a third or uh, make like it a at uh,
2: the moment, not yet. Right? <laughs> I,
1: I, somebody needs to make the great Sergio Aragonese uh documentary. So if you're <laughs> out of politics and um, I'm probably hook you up with that, but uh, yeah, no, thank you. And the, the movie's the movie's fun, man. It's sort of a um, uh, kind of throwback to a sort of um lush romantic political intrigue kind of kind of thing that we haven't seen a lot lately and yeah uh, uh great performance from wagner moore how do you pronounce it wagner wagner is it, oh so he's, he goes okay. it's
2: literally like the composer i think his yeah. father
1: was a big fan i think that's ah, okay yeah, yeah but he's he's from he's from south america correct he's brazilian he's brazilian okay yeah um, yeah. yeah no he's he's great i've been watching narcos as well and he's uh, absolutely amazing. Uh,
2: yeah. He's, he's,
1: he's a very nice guy. Very nice guy. Oh, I'm glad yeah, to hear that. that. I'm glad to hear that. My yeah. wife will be especially glad to hear that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but you, you sort of bridge the gap. You've, you've done documentary, you've done features. And in fact, you've made a feature, I guess I want to say sort of out of one of your documentaries. Um, that's, that's Sergio. Uh, and, um, you said you want to come on and kind of talk about, uh, I guess kind of bridging that difference, right? You want to do some movies. Well, de- describe describe what you're going to talk about, so I don't I don't mangle it for Joe. Well,
2: yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I came. Are we recording now, or are we just? Oh, no, yeah. are we oh just,
1: we've been recording. Yeah, we've been we recording. We had, <laughs> yeah, we get your incredible <laughs> race rant at the beginning, and yeah, that terrible stuff um, you said about the studio. Yeah, <sighs> no, no, I'm,
2: I'm. Uh, I, I mean, I'm. I have a sort of a foot in both camps, so we're going to yeah. talk about um, some documentaries that I love. Uh, coupled by Errol morris who's probably my favorite doc filmmaker oh sure and some other like these kind of you mentioned these sort of lush romantic political sort of films it's really the the ones that that kind of shaped me you know kind of in my formative years so that's uh yeah Yeah. i mean i i I find i'm drawn to stories that somehow speak to the to the real world around us and then how it was how it was shaped and uh sort of I, mean, I love big sort of fantasy films and horror. I love all that stuff, but the ones that really speak to me are the ones that kind of somehow are are grounded in a version of reality that feels somehow like it helps us understand the world as it is. So
1: right, yeah, right. Well, how do you how do you want to how do you want to jump in? Do you want to break them up? Do you want to bounce back and forth? What's your? Uh... <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to talk about
2: it. I, yeah, we can. You know, I just rewatched Reds. I,
1: oh, uh, oh, I've been meaning to. It's been a long, long time.
2: It blew me away. Yeah, because I had seen it years ago, and uh, I just like okay, I'm going to watch this thing again. It's like it's like nothing happens for the first 90 minutes <laughs> for nothing really, but then, but it's all like this amazing setup to like when he then goes to to Russia and the height of the the revolution and stay with Lenin and it's just it just it kind of as a you know a a former journalist, it just kind of it spoke to me of in terms of in a very deep way about the the internal kind of contradictions that a lot of journalists feel like when you're a part of something and you want to you want to shape an event, but you can't quite you don't you that's not appropriate and yet you're right. still caught up in it and uh, and it's just this wonderfully epic piece of filmmaking and the combination of then of the of the documentary interviews with the real people. You don't even know who they are, but the real people, it's just right. like, it's so fresh and vibrant. And it's, it's uh, I mean, I highly recommend checking it out
3: again. Can you believe he showed that to Ronald Reagan in the White House?
0: I read
2: that.
3: No, I can't.
2: It's amazing. <laughs>
3: I did,
2: I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do we know what he, what Reagan had hey, Reagan about? has some, <laughs>
3: some famous quip, which eludes me now that he said after it was over, uh, something to do with, I thought it, I thought it was going to have a happy ending or, or something, but uh, still, it's just, uh, I could just being Warren Beatty and sitting and watching Ronald Reagan watch a movie about that subject. Very interesting.
1: Yeah. I was, I was, I was was kind of hoping for a happy ending.
2: (laughs) 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 I just read a very interesting book about, um, the Reagan Gorbachev summit at Reykjavik mm-hmm. um, uh, written by Reagan's arms control advisor, again, Ken Edelman, who always struck me as kind of a hack, but actually was a really good writer. And it's a really interesting, make a great play or a kind of, you know, you know, two popes kind of movie with these two guys coming to this, this, this summit. I don't know if you remember that up in like, you know, this, yeah. this this old like house in the middle of nowhere where they, Hold up for like three days and and you know, each one for various reasons kind of went a place they never thought they would go and actually put on the table this idea of eliminating nuclear weapons. And Reagan like couldn't get the deal done because he was so stuck on this idea of the strategic defense initiative, mm-hmm. you know, which was kind of even his own people thought it was just a fantasy, it was never gonna work. So it's interesting, I it just popped in my head when you're talking about. Warren Beatty showing Reagan Reds. It's like he had this lifelong sort of obsession, fascination with with communism and where it came from and why people were drawn to it. And from Reagan's point of view, it's ultimate. He thought it was who's convinced it would fail, which, you know, it's very interesting. Um, but what struck me about Red is, is what a... I'd forgotten, I don't know why, but just what a great filmmaker Warren Beatty was and a great producer and great director. I mean, I don't... I don't know. It's just that, just kind
3: of. Listen, I, I'm the I'm the only guy who liked his last picture. Rules don't apply. <laughs> Apparently, I, I, I search I high and low for anybody who a saw it, and b yeah. liked it. Uh, yeah. I, know. I, I, know. I really liked it.
2: What was it about? What was
3: that? It's about how, how he. Is. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. And it's right.
1: uh, It's really a fascinating movie.
3: Uh, he's. I think he's very interesting. It's all Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like parts of it. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't quite. How about Bulworth? I love I like Bullworth, Bullworth.
2: Like Bullworth You yeah. actually. I mean, that's
3: a Pretty, yes. pretty ballsy movie. Yes,
2: yes. I like Bulworth. I think he lost me with Dick Tracy. I thought that was like,
3: not good. <laughs> but, no, no,
1: I'm I'm planning on going back to it. That that I mean, I I saw that and Reds when they. Came uh, out
3: I never gave it, it a shake because it opposite. It opened opposite Gremlins too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nope. And, and killed it. And killed it. What is?
1: What did?
2: Uh, Dick Tracy. Or, or Dick Tracy. The Tracy. Oh, I see. Yeah. Did it really? That's
1: funny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I would say the test of time, the jury's back and you definitely won that one, Joe. That's
3: well, awesome. but it's got a it, Tracy has a great cast. It's got every character yeah. actor in Hollywood, all of them made up to a point where you can't recognize them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It just feels like one of those movies that eventually is going to get rediscovered and get a whole bunch well, of worship from. Well,
3: uh, when, when, know. when, uh, when, uh, when interspace bombed the same year as Ishtar, um, <laughs> Warren called me up on the phone and he said, "I guess it's not a very good year you know, for pictures that begin with I, is it?" And then, and then he asked me later to. Uh, he said, I, "I think we had a discussion of me directing Dick Tracy." And I said, "Oh, oh wow!" I said, "Warren, what, what, what is it that you want? Why do you want to do Dick Tracy?" And he yes. said because I've always wanted to do fight scenes where I keep my hat on. Uh. I didn't think that was a good <laughs> <been> enough reason.
1: <laughs> That's a
3: that's interesting <laughs>
1: yeah. personal reason for wanting to do a film yeah he's a very interesting wow. guy uh, yeah but greg when, when the first time you saw reds was it was it when it came out had you seen it since then
2: it was when it came out yeah i think yeah. i probably saw it twice then and then i hadn't seen it for
1: so yeah so you for were coming to sort of, so before and after i mean the the experiences yeah. you had at, in between scenes. Yeah, the
3: only reason I don't yeah. like re- revisiting that movie is because that horrible song. <laughs> oh,
2: the the, the recurring the, song,
3: the recurring ditty. It's a little fun. Remember. It's a little. It's, it's, it's a little hokey. It's it's, it's, it's um it's grim. <laughs>
1: yeah. What's the song? I don't. It's
3: remember. um. Um. I, I could I would hum it for you, except I try to.
1: Da,
2: da, da, da. I don't love you anymore. I don't you wanna, wanna I don't
3: any. wanna play in your yard or, Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's very, very
3: sing songy It's very yes. nursery rhymish and it's really annoying.
2: And it's it's repeated <laughs> like
3: several. Times. Yeah. Um
2: <laughs> but uh now my kid was doing uh he's a sophomore and uh and Sam and he was studying sort of the Russian Revolution. So and he likes movies. I thought, oh we gotta watch this thing. So anyway, I checked it out. It's yeah, I was
1: surprised how it held up. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah. Like I said, I've been meaning to go back. It's it's one of those. Um, but but, cool, but that that's not com- even on your. Sorry, go
2: ahead. No, That was on my list. It's like a combination of like that that kind of the real world and and cinema and love that kind of just I I remember watching it and just being sucked in and and then plus the documentary element too. Mm-hmm. Um, just thought that this is something in in that way of storytelling that. Struck a chord in me quite early on. I was probably in my—I don't know how old I was. When did it come out? 80s, 80, 84? Yeah.
1: Pretty. Yeah. 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 So I
2: was in my twenties.
1: Yeah. Um, cool. 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 Wait. Sorry, but that is on your list, or that's not on your—that's list? on my list. Yeah, no, oh, that's on my, my list. list. Oh, okay. Yeah. God, I thought we're... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we begun yet. We
3: were digressing.
1: Yeah. 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 We love to digress.
2: Uh, so that's, cool. Then, then, then uh, we'll do some docs, right? Should we just okay? I, you know, like I was initially a, uh, I was a journalist, and I was I, I grew up out here. I thought I wanted to make movies as a kid, but then wanted to go. My dad was in the navy, so we he traveled, and he would send postcards back from everywhere. And I was like, was the middle of the Vietnam War, and I just thought I wanted to do something that took me out into the world somehow. So, you know, and then I. Uh, wanted to be a journalist and ended up covering conflict and shit like that. But it was really like looking at some of the, uh, the first documentary that really hit me was so my number one on my list is the thin blue line, Errol sure. Morris, yeah. you know, yeah. cause it's just yeah. like, and I was reading up about it. It's like, it was like not nominated for the Academy award because of the, you know, it wasn't a true documentary because of the, reenactment stuff he put well, in the reenactment it's, it's such bullshit you know um and i think he's a for me he's the best doc filmmaker of the last you know few decades and that yeah. movie like telling that telling that crime story and doing it so cinematically and uh, and also shifting people's perception of that of that case and kind of spoke to me on a lot of different a lot of different levels yeah
1: it's, yeah, and it was, it was there were always, it seems like, I can't remember the last couple of years, but it seems like there's always that controversy about the, uh, there's always one documentary, and it's usually one that does really well, that doesn't get nominated, and right. kind of, everyone's up in arms, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're still talking about Thin Blue Line, I have no idea what got nominated that year.
2: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't
0: tell you, most, yeah.
1: I mean, I think,
2: a lot, you know, some of the docs try to be too worthy, and I think it's changed over the last, you know, 10 years, people try to make docs that are more cinematic and more, you know, right. interesting to watch. Probably the first that really broke through, I think, was the um, the, uh, the the Twin Towers one. What was it called? The um, Man on Wire. Right. Remember oh, that? sure. Yeah. And that was yeah. one that was like a um, play there's a play there's a movie. And I think that really kind of ushered in this new era of of doc filming that filmmaking that we're in now, where they 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 you know have the potential to do decently theatrically and and reach a wider audience. Um, but my background in docs was more in you know the first I was in news and uh, um, working for CNN and British television. Uh, I lived in London for quite a while and um and got into documentaries and were more sort of investigative sort of you know route um but was drawn to these films that kind of was also would not were actually working as as stories not just reports you know
0: Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah no that's that's um uh i remember there was a there was a it was the first time i saw this. there was a vr installation that tied into man on wire (laughs) oh okay yeah you could you could go you could go walk a tightrope across the uh, uh the world trade center i've it was the first time I ever saw something like that in regards to a doc. Which huh, is interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It was uh, vertigo inducing to say the least.
2: Right. Right. But, and interestingly, they use a ton of reenactments in that. In fact, I'm not entirely sure that some of the archival that's in the film is not reenacted. I'm just mm, saying. Really? Yeah. Um, I, I, I would I would I would speculate. But it, yeah. but it won the Academy Award. And in some ways it's kind of doesn't actually I'm not sure it actually matters because it's a, it's the, 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 the truth of that story is, is there in the storytelling. And then you have to like, yeah. you know, figure out how to make it. You have these amazing interviews, these great characters. How do you make it into a movie? I, I don't think it, as a doc filmmaker, I don't think it actually matters as long as you're not intentionally misleading an audience right. there's a lot of latitude.
1: Right. But isn't there, isn't there a danger? I mean, not to get too deep into you know yes, docu- there is documentary ethics. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah. But there there's, there is there a danger in in even then while you're not bringing your own perception to it, there's the possibility that you know you're being lied to and then in your reenactment of something you're solidifying a story that is not true as tr- I don't know. You know what it, it's um
2: there is a danger and there is and it, and you know it's a kind of slippery slope. Um at the same time, Every form of storytelling is totally subjective. We'll do, another, do another doc, right? Yeah. Uh, another Arrow film, The Fog of War.
1: You have seen oh, that? Yeah. The, yeah.
2: yeah. One of the best, right? One of the best. Robert McNamara unpacking his life. Um,
1: and yet weirdly not getting it.
2: He, he doesn't get it.
3: No, he doesn't. He get doesn't it.
2: get it.
0: But no.
3: what's fascinating about that film is that it shouldn't be interesting just to watch a head talk. Because it's basically what it is. I mean, they, yeah. they yes they clutter it up with some cutaways and things, but basically it's a guy talking for nine. Guy talking, that's right. And and as you watch it and it and it dawns on you how he doesn't get it, and he's telling you all these things, some of which are very uh, perceptive and and, and and interesting, but yeah. but but skirt the reality of what it is that he's actually done. It's really yes. remarkable. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And he, I mean, I think, I think sometimes, you know, you want people to kind of, well, people criticize him somehow, you know, Errol sometimes for not, not like pinning him to the wall, but he didn't, wasn't necessary. because He did it himself. It's all in the subtext. Yeah, Yeah.
3: Yeah, there's not a lot of overt editorializing in Errol's pictures. No, no, no. It's sort of like, this is what I'm showing you, you decide what you think of it.
2: I actually liked his most recent one. Did you see it? The Steve Bannon film? I
1: was about to ask. I didn't want to jump ahead on your list if it was on there. But no, I'm I'm dying to see it. The Steve Bannon. It's not on my list, but it's a really good film. And it's interesting
2: because it's very similar to mm-hmm. Fog of War. Um, but now we're in such a to politicized. Oh, it's on Prime. Um, is it on Prime?
1: Yeah, I did not realize yeah. it was. Uh, okay.
2: He had a hard like time a selling it.
1: Yeah, um, I remember.
2: Yeah. But it's, it's I mean, it's brilliant. Um, and it's, he, he's in it just talking to Bannon and um, and unpacking Bannon's life and the filmic references that Bannon sort of was shaped by, which is very interesting. Um, and, I have to have but it's on.
1: non-judgment. I was going to say, we should have him on the show.
2: <laughs> you should. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's fascinating. He's like, you know. But I think nowadays, it's like we're so politicized and so divided that it's hard to Watch without you know, knowing what that he helped get Trump elected. Um, yeah. and he hangs himself, but you sort of expect the filmmaker to hang him for for mm-hmm. you. I think so it's i I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, but i wonder and it made me wonder whether if Fog of war were made today, people would judge it differently because it has the
1: same response, yeah,
2: yeah, because you you feel like you want him to kind of grab this guy by the throat instead of say, what did you you know look what you did when in fact you don't actually have to do that you know you yeah. can He did it himself way. yeah right. yeah
1: and, and by wow. it seems to me that the people the people who sort of most need to revise their view of these people are not going to be swayed by a documentary doing it uh no certainly not being told by a documentarian to- no, yeah, exactly
3: but, but when you but when they watch the raw footage they're going to see what they want to see Kind of. As they do every yeah. day when the president talks. You know, they just see what they want.
1: I don't know. Well, there's those, I, yeah, yeah, we're getting all We haven't done, I don't think we've done an episode on documentaries. I find them sort of overflowing. So again, if I'm jumping to something <laughs> on your list, right. I apologize. Hey. But there's a, um, who's the guy? There's a, there's a really fascinating documentary uh, about Tony Robbins. I saw that. Have By Jill, it? Jill, Jill, It's on Netflix, right? Yeah. 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 Joe Burlinger And it's it's fascinating because you find out, I found out after the fact that that Joe Burlinger is a guy who sort of uh you know, d- discovered Tony Robbins and became a huge fan of his and shoots it kind of like a performance film. Yeah. And it is a movie that if you come to it going Tony Robbins is a genius of our time and a transformative master of wonderfulness and you're you're gonna see that. And you know, and I'm watching it, and I'm watching a, you know just a complete, and utter Charlotte and work is thing. Yes. But it's it's um it's a really interesting film. It's a really, really interesting film. And I think the the fact that he um, is a fan of Robbins doesn't get in the way of giving a kind of honest portrait of him.
2: Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I agree. I thought it was. I stumbled upon that and watched it, and I like Joe. Uh, I didn't realize when I saw it that he'd been criticized for what just what you said, but. I thought it was interesting. I mean, I found yeah, no, a fascinating character and like this, yep. you know, weirdly charismatic figure. And you know, I I learned a lot. And I did yep. not find myself sucked into his world in the least. Yep. But I yep. found it was like, you know, I'd never go to one of his seminars, but it was interesting to see how that Especially kind of now. charisma. <laughs> You've been totally, yeah.
1: Have yeah. you seen it, Joe? No, it's it's really worth seeing because um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, he does his job. He doesn't let his uh, his bias get in the way of his um, portrait of the guy. Uh, it's it's really good. I also did you did you see the um, I, I didn't see the whole thing. I wasn't, but the uh, Harold Morris was the the miniseries he did about MK Ultra.
2: I I couldn't finish it.
1: Oh, Okay, thank uh, you. It wasn't Wormwood. Uh, Wormwood. Wormwood. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was super excited about it, um, and uh, but I actually found it. I wanted it to be shorter. And yeah. more, either one or the other.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. There was that weird thing where there are reenactments that somehow he's getting a sort of performance out of people where where uh, um, they seem more concerned with reenacting than acting. Does that make any sense? There's no there's no attempt to dramatize anything, but you have these great actors yes. working off of a script, yeah, but trying to present everything in this kind of flat, matter of fact way that that just kind of undercuts the. Both the drama and the documentary, I thought.
2: Yes. Yes. But,
1: yeah.
2: yeah, that's yes. interesting. You found it quite, you found the dramatic stuff. Who's played, it was Peter
1: Sarsgaard. Right? Peter so, Sarsgaard, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. And you found that that's just kind of dry. Yeah,
1: was, yeah. yeah. Not, and not in an interesting way.
2: Kind of yes. Great. Yeah.
1: Because it seemed like he was going out of his way not to make a fully fleshed out dramatic film. It was right. this kind of, you know, yeah. Very odd. But you know, yes. an interesting experiment.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Watch the Bannon Dock because it's really yeah. it's far more dramatic than Wormwood.
1: Especially. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, yeah. 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 Oh cool. Well what's 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 next? What's
2: uh uh shall we do a uh, we can do a um a movie. Um sure. okay, The Killing Fields for me. Was uh like you've heard of it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That one, um, I, I made a documentary once uh, on uh, on Cambodia and and, uh, and Pol Pot ages ago. And I had already seen the killing fields, but it was just, I got to know um, uh, Sidney Schamberg, you know, the New York Times. Yeah, main character. And then um, uh, I remember him talking to me about how, how, and I said, "What's what was your reaction to the movie?" And and he's like, "Well, it's, it they got me totally right, but the screenwriters probably spent an hour with me, <laughs> you know. And uh, and when he read the screenplay, he was he was just struck how about how little there was in it. You know, it was just like, you know, just a scene like you know, you know the city of of Phnom Penh is evacuated. There, you know, right. just these little moments, which becomes this epic sort of." Right, you know, moment in the film. and um and but it really um, as a guy who'd come out of like you know journalism and then I studied international relations in London, I thought, you know that movie kind of at the time had a massive impact, both politically and also just uh, in terms of these grappling with these questions of the nature of evil and what does one do when confronted with you know moral choices right in front of you. And uh, in a way that sort of, you know, nonfiction sort of rarely ever evokes those kind of deep, deep sort of responses. And so it kind of propelled me into this 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 journey of like I wanted to look for, you know, stories that wouldn't be better told as 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 movies. Um, and uh, and so I try to in my own work, try to bridge this this um, this gap between nonfiction and and, uh, and fiction. So that's it. Was had a it had a massive formative effect on, on me. Plus, it's just an amazing, amazing performance. It's amazing, you know, amazing film.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's great. I remember it was. Um, uh, and what was um? God, I'm, so uh, the actor Hang Hangus Nor,
2: right? No, Hang Knorr, right? Yeah. Doctor Hang Noor, right? Yeah, Hang Hang Noor. who a
1: doctor, yeah. right? And yes. Whose story was its own documentary? I think. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. An amazing film.
2: Yes. And he um, he won the Oscar for that, right? Uh,
1: yeah, I think so. Maybe Best supporting right, actor, Joe. I think.
3: Always that Linda Hunt.
1: <laughs> In that other <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are an interesting double feature for those two movies. Um, they
2: but, are, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, I yeah. love the other I mean, I love The Year of Living Dangerously. I think oh. it's, you know, it's like this romantic adventure and set against the politics but it's kind of like yeah, yeah this yeah it's uh the puppet scenes and everything it's just evokes this whole world that's uh sort of ultimately unknowable that we kind of you know when you're you know foreign or working overseas you kind of like feel like you're part of something but you're not really you don't really you can only scratch the surface you
3: know there's and, another, uh, another there's another romantic uh Conflict movie uh, called Under Fire.
1: Under Fire, yeah. It takes place
3: yes. in Nicaragua, and it's 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 it's, it's, it's sort of like a, it makes a trilogy with with all of the other two pictures. Yeah,
1: um,
3: and it and it's, um, uh, it's it's not really very well known today, but it's. Kathleen um, Hackman, that? Gene Hackman and Gene and, Hague- and, and Joanna, Joanna Cassidy. Cassidy, and it's. Um, and it's, uh, Roger Spottiswood directed it, and um, yes. it's got one of Jerry Goldsmith's best scores. Yes. Yeah.
2: And what's the romantic s-
0: story
1: in that? Uh, he, they're combat photographers.
3: That's right. Yeah. yeah and, and,
1: and, Malt, and it wasn't Gene Hackman's, the editor.
3: Yeah. And there's a conflict. And, it's a romantic conflict about her, the two guys and the girl, but also it's yeah. it, the other story is what's going on with Samosa and uh, the uh, the Rebels. And uh, Jean-Louis Trintignant plays a uh, kind of a shady operative. It's really a terrific movie. Yeah.
1: yeah I love Ed it. Harris. Ed Harris. Uh, yeah. A CIA guy.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, I'll check it out again. I remember watching that back in the day.
1: That's really yeah. worth worth a look. Yeah. Although, actually, now that we're on that, it seems to me that it's not it's not through the, the the fourth movie in that group would be would be Salvador, which uh, yeah, also Great. yeah. Spends a lot of time dealing with journalists in those situations. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I find sometimes I can't remember which which of those movies I'm thinking of when I think of some hotel in some- Which of those Harry listed,
3: journalists and uh, yes. a yeah. hotel?
1: <laughs> Sitting around drinking margaritas while the world outside. The <laughs> yes, arena. exactly.
2: Yeah. Did you see, um, what do you think of um, The Quiet American? Which one? The most recent one. Most
0: the, recent uh, one?
3: yeah Philip um, Noyce, noise right yeah it was pretty good it was pretty yeah. good it was it was, yeah. it was it was more true to the book than the Mankowitz version yes but i yeah. i still like the Mankowitz version yeah I've not seen that in ages but i feel like these sort of these
2: stories of journalists they feel a little they feel a little uh like dated now you know these sort of war torn journalists out in the field. i feel like it's a i don't know it just some um, somehow you know, cause it's an, it's an, it's an, it's an invariably, um, uh, exploitative profession work being a war correspondent, you know, and, uh, where you're, you're immersing yourself in the, um, in the traumas of, of others for a purpose, for a purpose. Um, but it's ultimately, you know, it's often, there's an inter- internal
0: kind of, uh,
2: there's a pain that's going, that's propelling people to, to, to take those acts. Kind of like the the um, the film that Matt Heineman made um, last year, the um, the one set in Syria, uh, a private war, which I thought mm. was pretty interesting. It's all it's about the woman who was the American journalist from the, from the Sunday Times who's killed in Syria. Right. And she's you, do you see that film? She's quite sort of
1: I've I've not yeah, seen, it. seen it. Yeah, it's
2: yeah, know. it's interesting. But it's a lot of it I mean, it's about what's going on, but it's also about her sort of you know, kind of conflicted and painful reasons for for going on those, putting yourself
3: at risk like and that. And also, the, the the John Reed story fits into that. So now we have a you know, John we have Reed. Yeah, we have yeah. a whole trend here. You know, yes, that's right. This this entire episode is it's got a it's got a theme now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there we go.
1: <laughs> Journalist in love.
2: Yeah, um. <laughs> but I do I do identify some with all of that because it's kind of I, I did have a. Not exactly that path, but I, you know, I've probably worked and filmed in some 60 countries, you know, journalistically and and, and uh, covered uh, some conflict and saw that, saw and uh, experienced that sort of tug, you know, and uh, saw what it did to people, you know.
1: Yeah, and and all those films do, to varying degrees, poke at and, and examine and investigate the, the the ethics of the whole thing of of what those people are up to in those countries. Yes, in kind of interesting yeah. ways. Yeah, that's one of the things I like most about the Killing Fields
2: is just that it, because you know he's using the fixer, you know, to mm-hmm. get the story, and it's pre, it's you know, with catastrophic consequences. And yet at the same time, you know, the, he wants to. He wants to. The, 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 he wants to be. He wants to do it. But I watched it again, sort of, or the ending again, a few months ago, and it is a little uncomfortable when he like runs up and hugs him. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Like in the, it's a little kind of, it's a little strange, you know.
3: Um, <laughs>
2: especially
3: <laughs> um, these days. Yeah, especially yeah. these yeah. days. <laughs> yeah, even stranger
1: in the last couple of weeks, yeah. right? Um, yeah, yeah, we're sort of getting away from that a little bit, aren't we? You have to be a little more careful about your white savior narratives these days. Yes. Yeah, uh, exactly. Which, uh, yeah. Probably a good thing, I would say. I think it's a good thing. I think it's <laughs> I a good think. thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> um yes, yes. Uh cool. Cool. What uh what what next?
2: Uh we we'll go back to documentaries if you want. Um sure. The War Room? You know that? The uh, Clinton film.
1: It's so funny. You keep a. listing Canada movies America. that are on my list to go back to. Like lately, I've really been thinking about that a lot. It. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder what that looks like now in light of the world we live in.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it feels. I I actually, so almost intentionally, haven't gone back to it. But I did a film about the last year of the Obama administration. Yes. Yes.
0: Um,
2: and sort of, partly because I want. I wanted to see if you could make a film like that, but almost, but with the, you know people in power about to leave rather than coming in, but access is very different. But I mean, I thought that, that, that film when I watched it as a, I mean, I I had studied political science and I worked in DC for, for a while. And, and, you know, I felt like it captured that, that, you know, the drive, the, you know, excitement inside a campaign better than anything else and the stakes and, you know, ambition. Yeah. But it's, yeah. but I've never, I've never, I haven't gone back to it. it be interesting to see if it, if it, how, how it holds up. I think it holds up extremely well.
1: <laughs> so, well and also, but now, but, now that we all have, if you, for want of a better word, you know, relationships with some of the characters in that film. Yes.
2: Place, we, yeah. We I mean, George Stephanopoulos and, yeah, you know, yeah.
1: And Carville and, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a really interesting film. Um, uh Yes, that's funny because I keep I keep the last few weeks putting all these films on my list of stuff to watch in quarantine yes. and
2: <laughs> But it's it's interesting because you know a lot of documentaries are all about access and trust. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean they had trouble getting Clinton at all, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and uh but you know, managed to get these guys to give them, you know give them some access. And it's like I don't right. know what they're real what you know, you never quite know what else they got, whether they had so much footage that uh great stuff they had to pair out. Sometimes you get just enough access to make a film and it can still right. look like it's, you know, pretty good, but in fact it's quite limited. And I, I know they had trouble getting to the higher echelons and Clinton kept put Clinton push kept pushing them aside. So it's, you know, but it it, you know, I love that world window into that, into that yeah. into that world. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. man, That's you know, fascinating stuff. Um cool, man. Cool.
2: When we did the final year, it was always like uh this kind of yeah, there was always the, the, the meeting that we weren't allowed into. Of course. Like, they're never gonna let you in everywhere. Well, so,
1: honestly, yeah. at that at that level I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I <don't>
2: think so. <laughs> you
1: know, there's there's things I'm comfortable not being able to see that uh, huh. um but I thought, God, can you imagine doing one of those about the uh, about the Trump campaign? If, if I mean, you'd never have gotten access. That's the problem.
3: No, but the laugh track would be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, you wonder whether I've kept wondering whether
2: somebody's getting some of that in the White House. I mean, they're so chaotic. You could imagine that, like, some friend of Jared, like, getting in,
1: running around shooting it on their phone. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. It could be done. You know, it's right. you know. And maybe it'll, maybe it'll, I don't know, no idea. But you can, you know, they're all, yeah. I could imagine the pitch to, uh, how to, what I would say to them. I would never want to make that movie. I'd love to, I would watch it. If you could get a real authentic view inside the White House, it's like, yeah. you know, it's the the greatest shit show on earth. I think <laughs> just go around
3: reenacting scenes from Independence Day. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but well, he's clearly, like, watched it, right?
1: He's like, <laughs> I don't know what he did. He just retweeted that. He thinks he's Bill Bowman. He only retweeted it. I, he probably hasn't seen the film, I think. It's, no, of course, It's yeah. too, it's too he's, talking.
3: He's never sat through a film. He, he claims to have seen Citizen Kane, but I doubt it.
1: Um, Bloodsport. He's apparently a big Bloodsport fan, I believe. Or maybe it's Bloodsport 2. I can't remember, but... Um,
2: it's reality yeah, I, TV. I mean, Reagan was... I mean, it's interesting how Reagan looks now, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> This guy was a an actor, but I mean, if you read his I mean, I disagree with him politically, but if you read his speeches that he wrote himself, he had a consistent message that he stuck to. He kind of he knew what he was about. Whereas yeah. this guy is, you know I think he's he's a product of reality TV. I mean I
3: he is you know, he is reality TV. Yeah.
2: He is reality TV. We're and in he, a, you know,
3: It's his show and we're in it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I never, I've, I've, to, I've always thought, why, you know, it was irresponsible to give him a TV show. To, to, the apprentice, apprentice was good TV, but clearly people knew that he was, a bad, you know, an immoral guy and it should never have been put on the air, in my opinion. And, you know, and we, we the public created him and allowed the entertainment industry, allowed him to get that platform.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, he never would have been president without that. He would just just been some property developer. Two words. So, Mark yeah. Burnett. Mark Yeah, I know. Burnett.
3: Mark Burnett. Burnett. As, as, yeah. as, as names that go down in history, as among the most deleterious names the, to yeah. the history of this country, Mark Burnett will be right up there. And
2: Yeah, and the rushes from those which have to exist, and There's, we know there's got to be material in there. He's, sitting, know, who's, he's sitting on He's it. sitting oh, on it. Yeah, somebody should leak that. And the, it would, I've...
1: I've you know, I came up, I worked crew and all kinds of jobs for like 10 years in this business before going into writing. And it's like, I can't tell you how many times I was in the room with something that, you know, and, and at the time, this is nothing. This is just outtakes from a freaking game show. Like, there are people somewhere right now who are sitting in a room with some of those, you know, DVDs, tapes, whatever they are, who could very easily just slip them out and for some reason yeah. art. But it's amazing how, yeah, stuff... Um, you know, that, that stuff is normally pretty easy to get your hands on.
2: Do you think they would be, if they were sued or taken to court, do you think they could win? If somebody had that material no. and leaked it and it found out?
1: How, because it's-, it's
3: well, uh, First of all, if they leaked it, it's, it, it would be already be out and people would have heard it. And then, so then, the, then if it's a fake is the first thing that would happen. And the second thing that would happen is, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's been accused of molesting a 13-year-old girl and nothing ever came of it. If you think anything that they can say about this guy is going to change their minds about him, it's just not going to happen. It's not not going going to happen. happen. He he is their leader. He is their leader and they have drunk the Kool-Aid and it doesn't matter what, they will jump off a cliff for him like lemmings. And that's what they're doing now as they, and that's what they're doing now as he tells them to go ahead together and get, you know, get to get together on the beach and breathe on each other. You know, okay. Drink Clorox. Whatever. We'll do whatever you say, pal.
1: Yeah, and the numbers I mean, I are fake. Imagine, so all the I would imagine is. that that footage has got to be legit. I mean, in terms of um, in in that he is now the resident of the Oval Office, does does that not change the the kind of uh, legal and journalistic constraints that you can place on showing the footage? I would imagine it it's does. it's Under copyright,
2: no, but you could leak. I mean, it's in the public interest to. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think yeah.
3: There's in, a legal in a way, that
1: it's not when he's just a talk show or a game show host. I I am sure that that.
3: That stuff is is the same in the same drawer as the Dead Sea Scrolls. We're never going to see
1: it. It's out there. We'll, we'll we'll see it. We'll see it. God, I have faith. I have faith. But uh...
0: so what's the next one?
1: Um.
2: All right. So, oh, I just love this movie. When We Were Kings. The, oh, uh, Ali Bombay. Ali, yes. And I just saw it now. If, for years, it wasn't available. You couldn't watch it anywhere.
1: Criterion Blu-ray.
2: But now, oh, sorry, right? But now it's uh, yeah. I think it's on. It's on. I think it's on Hulu. That's that's such a good movie. It's like yeah. Phenomenal footage, and it it's like tell people what it's
3: about though, because it's probably a lot.
2: Yeah. I, yes. When We Were Kings is about the Fraser Ali fight, the Rumble in in the in the in the jungle,
3: and it was uh, from
2: 1975 or something like that. When was it? Mm-hmm. And it was um, it was they. Ali was at the height of his fame, and there was. All this footage shot of of him training and and it was kept locked away for for years. I think there was some copyright or rights dispute over it. And eventually, the filmmaker Leon Gast was able to kind of put it together and did these amazing interviews with people who were there, including like like Norman Mailer and it's not people you would expect to be like boxing commentators, but they were talking about you know kind of just deeper questions of of life and ambition and purpose that come all came out in the in the course of this uh uh you know in these interviews. So the boxing match becomes something much bigger than just that. Um yeah. and ultimately sort of a story of ourselves and that moment in time and and dreams and it was amazing. You know, and then you know seeing that knowing that what then happens to Ali you know that kind of it's 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 just and so well made. It's so well made. Yeah. Absolutely gripping.
1: Yeah. And it is, it's a reminder, it was such a different time and Ali was so special. I mean, I remember as a a kid and as someone who grew up to have pretty much zero interest in sports and you couldn't pay me to go to a boxing match, but every kid I knew in my neighborhood, myself included, we were obsessed with Ali. And every time he fought, it mattered. And every time he won, it mattered. And it had cultural impact far beyond sports. Yes. And, And the film does a beautiful job of catching some of that. Yeah. I mean, you can't see like, you know, whoever the Norman Mailer is of today, I can't see him, you know, trailing around after. I, I, who is the heavyweight champion right now? I don't even, Joe. <laughs> 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 Hang on, I have a computer. Not my area, who is the? I think the. I think there's two
2: different divisions, right? So you have to, or two different wrestling, or, uh, boxing bodies that. So I think there's two different champions. But yeah, you'd never if you,
1: if you say so, Greg. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. Tyson Fury. No idea. I've I've heard of Mike Tyson. I don't uh, uh, I don't know. But yeah, that's a that's a fantastic doc. And there is, there's a beautiful new uh, Criterion Blu-ray out of it.
2: Oh great. Yeah. Uh, oh. Have you seen it? Did you watch?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And I've I sort of flipped through some of the stuff on the Blu-ray just to see how gorgeous it was. Wow. And, um uh and there's also got another doc um about the music festival that was going on at the same time. Uh, yes that's right it's called soul power and that's on the, the criterion disc yes uh, yeah but yeah i mean ali's just he's he was just an amazing character yes
2: i mean I, I mean you're right it raised to so many issues at the time i mean my father was in the navy and so i remember asking him like why where this why did he change his name from like cassius clay to what did that mean and why didn't he go in the it's like you know it's got these sort of these conversations about you know yeah. What it means to be an American. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then for me, it was like, it was my, my introduction to sports heroes. And I thought, oh, they're all like this. They're all going to, yes. you know, make hitting a baseball actually mean something in the greater world. Then you grow up and you find out, no, no, they're, they're not going to do that for the most part. Yes. <laughs> you know, occasionally, but um, yeah.
2: You know, it just reminded me. I was watching just on uh, ESPN or somewhere this uh, one of the um, Game Six of the '77 World Series, which they're replaying now because they have nothing else to show. There's was the Dodgers versus the Yankees, um, but it was Howard Cosell sort of announcing it. Ah, you know, sure. and uh, and he was telling. And Reggie Jackson has this key moment in the in the in the game, and so and just the way he framed these, you know, the lives and the you know the struggles of these, of these play of uh, these athletes, which he did. I mean, obviously, he did with Ali. He was a great storyteller, yeah. right? Coach yeah, he's kind of like easy yeah. to mock, but he had a
1: he had a particular. Oh yeah, up. well, I think I think you know I think I think Cosell read a book or two. Is sort of. Well, and a, I'll also a, he was very popular.
3: <laughs> you know, there were the people like Woody Allen would use him in their movies. And, yeah, you know, yes. He was, right. kind of, it was kind of an icon.
1: He was, yeah. yeah, 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 but but a smart cookie, I think, in a way yeah. that. Um, transcends a lot of those guys. Yeah. 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 Uh good stuff.
3: God. So no no Frederick Wiseman on your list.
2: No, I I no. I mean I I I think they I admire his work and I would watch it, but I can't I would I can't say it's influenced me and and no. Why do you how do you feel
3: about? It? Well, what? I I I was I, I was impressed. I mean everything that they were all interminable. I mean, right. <laughs> so <laughs> so so they just ran forever. Yeah. Um, but I met him at a film festival and he was, uh, and he explained a little bit to me about his approach and everything. And, you know, there's never any narration um, oh, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. You, it's, it's all presented to you as like, okay, this is what's going on. And here's, here's what's happening. And just uh, there's high school, which is like more like going to high school than being in high school. And then there was one called hospital. Where there's a scene in a in a doctor's office where a, a, a teenager comes in and he's ingested some kind of stuff, I don't know what it was, but he proceeds to vomit nonstop for what seemed like five or ten minutes. and every and every time you thought it was over, there would be more. And it's all one shot. it's It's like it's all happening in front of you. and it, it's any any ideas about being a doctor, you just forget it, you know um I thought that I thought that he they're very rough-hewn, uh, but they have a certain integrity to them, and I, I think he did go to a lot of places that people you know, didn't ordinarily want to go, uh, which means he wasn't as popular as Earl Morris who could do you know, uh, pet graveyards and stuff and make a whole movie out of it. but um but I, I had a lot of respect for Wiseman. Mm-hmm. I
2: have a huge respect for him. Yeah, I, I just personally I perform more kind of like I guess it's subjective, more muscular kind of filmmaking that mm-hmm. kind of like takes and then gives you shapes into something. Um, but I mean yes, I mean, he takes you into these worlds. I mean I think anybody who's shooting verite and and even if it's then kind of
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I think a lot of what you see as verite is more sort of quasi verite where you kind of get like moments that are like shorter as opposed to spending, you know, months and months at some place, but you then present it as representing a truth as opposed to what he does. Nice. But you everyone's influenced by by how he did that. Absolutely. I mean I think he he and Hennebaker who who did War War Room and, and they kind of created that kind of that that a certain style of authentic real filmmaking. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: You know? um, yeah. But I, I don't think I've ever watched one of his films from beginning to end. I'm sorry to so, say. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I've, I've seen uh, Titty Cuts. Well, time. they're not cinematic in the usual entertaining yeah. sense. No,
2: no. I'm sure, you know, seeing one in a theater must be quite amazing,
1: actually. So, but, you know, still. You don't walk out on fire to, to make documentaries.
3: <laughs> no, you just decide you never want to go to any of the places that he just shot.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm staying out of mental homes, if I'm lucky
2: yeah yeah <laughs> um so i also got uh diving bell and the butterfly probably one of my favorite oh films.
1: there we go okay yeah. oh well that's a little i mean oh huh, okay that's a great film yeah it, it's not quite i mean obviously based on true story um uh, doesn't doesn't quite fit in with the other the other movies on your uh your thing yeah, it's a just great.
2: more of an it's this internal sort of journey right that he that he goes yeah. on and it's uh. And I think it's like speaks for me. It's like more of a an inner truth about life's life's meaning and the choices we make that uh, I find. You know, I guess as I get older, I'm sort of more interested in that rather than trying to tell a story of the world, but more a story of individuals and how we kind of grapple with the choices we make. Mm, yeah, right. Plus, he's a, a, just such a. I mean, it's really hard. I mean, to pull off something like that, and uh, and he does it beautifully. I think he's... How many films has Julian Straubel made? Like four or five, something like that? But they're yeah, all... Yeah, it's a small... Not many, but they're all... Yeah. I mean... He did the... What was the one on... um did one on... In Cuba, too. What was that called? The, um... Oh. Remember that one? Oh,
1: Before Nightfalls. Before Nightfalls. Yes. That's right. right. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Javier Bardem. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. I mean, he seems to just sort of go where... Because um, I love there's... You know, the story that inspired, it's, he just chases the story that he's interested in. There seems to be no kind of recurring theme in his work or anything. It's just kind of uh, fascinating characters and interesting situations.
2: Oh, he did the Van Gogh film uh, with. Um, did he the Willem Dafoe? The Willem Dafoe. Didn't he direct that? You yeah. have your computer in front of me, right? He directed that, yeah. yeah. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. like an, an artist making a film about. Art.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah. Uh, and he certainly got some insight the there right? yeah. yeah uh yeah. yeah 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 but i do i, I realize i don't know is, is diving diving bell the butterfly is pretty well known i'm thinking yeah it's, it's pretty known. well known yeah. it's pretty well known. yeah it's pretty well Exploring known it to yes. folks um incredible performance from uh sorry who's who's the, the the guy who ended up playing the the bond villain who's that french actor um, oh yes yeah but anyway <laughs> you can you can tell this is a, this is a serious classy movie. <laughs> you know, that guy from the Bond film. Um, yeah. But terrific movie. Terrific, terrific film. Uh, cool. 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 What's, what's next?
2: I like, the, actually, I like the film, the uh, going back to docs, the one that won the Academy award this year, American factory. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's a, I have not seen it. I'm a terrible person.
2: It's good. It's good. It's the, uh, you seen it Joe? It's Obama's yeah. movie,
1: yeah they,
2: they picked it up I mean they picked yeah. it up later, but they yeah, um that's the profile yeah <laughs> uh but it's good it's like it's it's um uh, it's uh, just inside this factory and somewhere in the Midwest that's taken over by Chinese company, you know, and uh it's gonna close and then. Chinese investors come in and the management comes in from China and kind of changes the culture of the of the whole company, but keeps the workforce and saves the jobs. But it's just this, it's but what's interesting is is the scenes um inside the 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 management team, uh, where you've just never heard it's like scenes with you know the owner of the factory talking to his staff all chinese about how to view the americans and some friends of mine who you know have worked in the government say they'd never ever heard seen the chinese portrayed that way where they're just like what do they actually think of us you know and Mm. where they allowed that kind of these this this company allowed that kind of access to a to a a, a american film crew which was kind of you just can't imagine that normally so protective and it's great it's great you know and it's uh just, it's if you want to understand kind of culturally and you know how these two countries come together or don't, there's a lot of information in that in that movie and it's well told, so yeah, mm. it's very interesting. So is it,
1: um, who's the director? It was somebody,
2: uh, it's a couple, um, they uh, I can't remember their names actually. They it's out of uh, they take years and years to make films,
1: right. Oh no! So I'm thinking Christmas. Okay, yes, yeah, Steve, Stephen Bognar and Julia Reichert. Yeah, that's I'm right. Afraid. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. On on Netflix, as we said. On
2: see. Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, they they. I mean, they just started on a whim filming at this factory. I mean, years and years ago. So you know, and literally got you they know lo- hours, they hours, of hours into the it. Footage. They lucked right, it. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's you know I don't know it's kind of like you 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 figure out there might be something there and then a lot of times you start and then nothing happens and you move on to something else and so just you know they made the right choice early on and then things yeah so now it's the Obama movie <laughs>
1: so uh, right I'm I'm always fascinated by that though I mean it seems to me there's there's sort of documentaries where you know I'm going to go document Obama's last years in the White House you're you're pretty set you're going to get something interesting there you know yeah. but the yeah. The thing where um, I just saw a documentary that uh, was Larry Wilmore recommended on one of our shows called Dina, which is on Hulu, which is just this very small film about a woman who's on the spectrum and has a bunch of other issues Hmm. uh, in her relationship with a man she's going to marry. And it's literally it. And it's an incredible, powerful, profound movie that, you know, some things happen along the way. There are some revelations. But you sit there and you wonder, like, what was the thing that made this person decide, I'm going to sit down for a year and follow this person around?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I wonder about those movies where somebody does that and they don't get anything out of it. You know? is, you just,
3: they're probably, yeah, what would probably a lot more of those than we know about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. I would imagine, you know, it's like, I'm going to follow Josh Holmes around for a year. Something will happen. It's like, yeah, nothing. really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did you see the one last year about the, uh, the little village in what's called Honey Honeyland? Um, oh, Honeyland! Yeah, yeah,
1: which also got nominated.
2: It did, but yeah, I, I was thinking of—did you see that? It's like it's just,
1: it's just its like
2: why you would ever think that this was going to become anything. Um, right, it's just like its was a—I mean, it was started off it must have been some kind of like a industrial or kind of film about production in a little you know remote village, and and it becomes this whole epic story, mm. you know. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: love that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. Very serendipitous, but I, 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 as a, I don't have a lot of patience for enough patience to make those kinds of films now. It's like, yeah, yeah I want to know if I'm doing a doc, that there's a story there and you can or you yeah. figure out a way into it and, and not have to take five years, you know? Right. Um, right. But yeah. uh. Yeah, I did. I spent seven years on a film once for Frontline for public television about the genocide in Rwanda. (laughs) That was like a personal passion of mine to sort of dive into and unpack, and you know, um, amazing experience. But you know, there's only a certain number of those you can you can do in your career. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And the hourly wage is not that great.
3: There's always a genocide (laughs) happening somewhere, so you always
2: yeah.
1: That's right. yeah. 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 But you're you're pretty assured of getting a doc out of that. That's a, at least. Well, I uh, uh, don't that, get them.
2: I knew I'd get one. No, now, I wasn't sure. I mean, yeah. I. No, I I went there just kind of. I went there actually, partly influenced by the Killing Fields to see if there was a story that I could tell out of there that that would be sort of, you know, emblematic of, you know, how we respond to evil and yeah, right. found several.
3: Did you ever think of abandoning it?
2: Yes, I did. I did. Um, partly because it was so dark. Yeah. It was so dark. Yeah. That's well, a and uh a pretty
3: grim subject to live with for five years.
2: Yeah, it was grim. And it's interesting when we when we did the documentary, I'd never the interviews, the interviews were awful. They were like some uh it was mostly about, it was not just the killing, the genocide, it was about the, the Western response to it, the kind of international response. So all the Clinton administration people and the UN people who thought they were doing the right thing and then basically did nothing and, you know, were living with that 10 years later. Mm-hmm. And so all these deep emotions came out. And I interviewed a lot of people who stayed when everyone else left, like from the UN and the US embassy, and they were like totally traumatized. And most of them had never spoken before. So. And then, and then they just would the so the interviews were these dark, like, like I remember they were like a journey. I remember it was, it felt like a, like a tunnel where you're going down deep, you know, and then it would be an hour or two and eventually you'd see the, the light at the end and you'd come, I'd come out and then could breathe again. But it was, it was, it was awful, you know, but important to tell. And, uh, yeah. you know,
1: where did you, what did you think of the uh, act of killing?
2: I couldn't watch it. I, I spent too much time around all that stuff. And I, I, yeah. I so I, I I have no interest in watching. And, uh, so I, I I don't know, I have an impression, but I, I don't think it's well-formed because I've never seen the film, so. Got it. But having lived in that world, that world of yeah. killing and genocide and spending enough time with people like that, I have no interest in, <sighs> I, I just didn't want to go back there again, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I can understand
2: that. What did you think of it?
1: Uh, no, I think I think it's a fascinating film, and it's it's really it's just when you said sort of you know portraits of evil, it's it's really um, uh, it's very disturbing, and um, but it also it also seems very very true in the sense of you know there's a tendency we have, and it's you you have to when you're faced with sort of people like that, to turn them into cartoons, you know, and uh, who are motivated by sort of inhuman things and then to you know meet characters like that and find out that they're um in in most ways they're kind of put together the way the rest of us are yes and they just sort of tell themselves interesting stories about why they did what they did and how they turn off the humanity of others is very chilling because it's very simple and um uh for the most part they don't seem to be um Overtly and obviously aberrant human beings. They could just right. as easily be your next door neighbor. You know?
2: Yes, or yourself. Uh, I mean, that's what yeah, I. Or I yeah, or
1: yourself. Yeah, that's what I felt like
2: when I, I. My insight from all of that was that it could anybody is capable of. of yeah. Evil and and it's kind yeah. of lurks inside all of us and in some way and it's you know, political leaders, media. Society can manipulate and sort of push certain buttons, but to think that we're better than, you know, the Cambodian, the Kimmer Rouge, or the Genocideaires of Rwanda, or the Nazis is kind of like actually missing the point. Then it's actually yeah. it's part of a uh, part of the human condition, this darkness that that comes out at different moments and in history and, and, uh, needs to be, need to be constantly aware of it. I mean, I think we're in a dark period at the moment. That's why I feel like this kind of, this, this environment that we're in
1: now is very dangerous, you know? Um, yeah, it's very easy to dehumanize large groups of people and, um, you know, some, some groups seem to make it easier than others. To yes. Do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the,
2: uh, I mean, the vitriol you see on social media now, it's, it's quite scary because it's you're de, it's so easy to, to dehumanize people you disagree with, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah we see where that can lead. So.
1: That's, <laughs> that's a cheery note. Got, it, got any comedies on there? <laughs> I tend to be optimistic. I'm an optimistic <laughs> guy. I'm still
2: I'm not, I'm a knockout.
0: That's
1: a brown optimistic. hog
2: there. <laughs> no, I don't have any comedies. I don't have any comedies. Those are my actually I had one last film. I guess it's not a yes. movie, oh, order, Okay. We which was the The English Patient, which is which I love.
0: <laughs> so, ah.
2: yeah. I mean, I got lucky enough to to work with uh Minghella, um in oh, in yeah. London. I lived there for a long time and uh and actually had a screenplay that he helped me get off the ground with BBC films and we developed and so I knew him a bit, uh particularly well. But um but I love that kind of well, I it's interesting. I've read that, I've watched the movie and loved it. And I went back and read the book. And I was just so struck at how sort of how different they are. But actually how the book is amazing. But actually how true to the book the movie is, but in a totally different not the obvious adaptation of that of that book. Mm. Um, and uh, I mean both are equally
0: wonderful. But he had a particular sort of a very uh
2: an intuitive way of finding his way into ma- into the material.
1: Yeah, and it was an interesting director. I was uh, I like Truly Madly Deeply a lot, and um, Ripley was was interesting. Ripley is good. good. Yeah, I I worship Purple Noon, and and nothing will ever yeah. top it. But it was uh, um, yeah, really really good film. I, film.
2: I, I I hated Truly Madly Deeply with a yeah. passion. <laughs> yeah, really? Why? I I I think her performance is terrible. And uh, I think it's very Juliet Stevenson and maybe a nice person, but I think it's, it's, it felt very stagey and very kind of not real and authentic, mm. you know, interesting. I saw her in on stage and maybe it's just her, but I don't, you know, I saw her on stage with, um, in burn this with, uh, John Malkovich. Mm. Ages ago, I can't remember all the details of that play, but it was like he was so raw and so real, and she's very. There's a certain sort of style of of British acting that
1: British actors, yeah, yeah. Sure.
2: I, I feel very. Sometimes it's, it works, but I thought it was a little mannered and a little performed. And they to see them together on stage was a total mismatch. Hmm. Total mismatch. Interesting. And I, yeah, I can imagine. yeah, and I think there's something in that performance of in that her in that film when that close-up of her crying, and never bought. Never bought it, hmm. you know. Yeah. So, but there's other films I like. Didn't mention
1: that to Tony, though. <laughs> but I didn't mention that. <laughs> Never mentioned that. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, shit, Greg. Um, thank you, man. This this was uh, some terrific and interesting films. Yeah, it's um, fun. It really is funny how many of those I've like. I've got. I you mean, know, like I've got a list on my computer right now of things to watch while we're in a quarantine, and how many of those are already on it. <laughs> there's. Something about I don't know maybe I'm just is that a thing as you get older you get more into documentaries is that what's happening I'm like
3: as real life you know, slips away seem,
1: I mean I guess I'm I'm sort of less yeah. interested in how the Avengers saga concludes than yeah. I am in you know digging into Steve Bannon's brain a little bit that seems kind of
2: I would really encourage you to rewatch Reds of all these films yeah oh but no
1: absolutely I'm
2: that I'm to... because it's that doc and you never know who those people are but they're I guess they're all the real they're, they're all real, real people. people yeah yeah um. But it's it's kind of it's kind of brilliant how, that, how he pulled that off. And then at the core of it, it's the love story too, and they're so good together. So right. it's yeah, yeah, I would check that out. Yeah.
1: But, uh, but cool. Well thanks, guys. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you for you. coming thanks on, folks. Uh, thanks, check out Sergio, it's on Netflix. Um it's it's uh, uh, I you know it's funny, I saw Sergio um many years ago. Um, and, re- and remember enjoying it. And uh um yeah, yeah. He's an interesting character. I'm gonna I'm gonna mangle his name because I'm I'm so American. It's pathetic. <laughs> Sergio Vieira de Mayo. That's pretty that close. It. Been out, yeah. Um it was a really, really interesting uh character, UN special rep. Um, and it's a terrific doc I'm sorry, it's a terrific feature about um uh I guess I can give away, right? His his last days. Um but, give but give also away. his life leading up to them. Yeah um, with some some great performances in it. So on on Netflix as we speak and um yeah, Greg, thank you for, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank Great. Thank you for taking some time.
2: We appreciate it's it. So Thanks. That yes. way to spend that hour in quarantine. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of trailersfromhell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for The Movies That Made it. Stay safe out there, folks.
3: Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge.